0: Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. So you can turn in your Bibles if you haven't already to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 verses 23 through 27. We'll, We'll hone in on verses 23 and 24 today. But we're also, um, again, you know, I am not preaching original thoughts here this week. I I, I think it's important again this week, uh, the title of the sermon says, Making the Right Adjustments. Making the Right Adjustments. So last week we said that, you know, serving God, um, seeing where God is at work and wanting to join him there, that we have to, we come to a crisis of belief, right? Oh, God, would you really, oh, God, are you asking me to do that? Oh, oh, Lord, are you, oh, God, do you want me to teach us? Lord, I've never taught a Sunday school class before. Come on, God, you're not really asking me to do that, are you? Or God, what, oh, I don't know if I can do that, God. But God calls us to a crisis of belief as Christians. But then, right, sometimes we just want to jump right in. But sometimes we realize that um, There's a time where we have to, in order to join God where he is at work, we have to make some adjustments in our lives. Now That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I think this is very challenging. I said, you know, last week that that crisis of belief, the crisis of belief for me has always been kind of, it's less scary for me and more exciting. But making adjustments in my life, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? That's that's where... um, For me, that's where the faith piece really comes in. And and you'll see, uh, I don't know, um, I don't know. Did you take the scripture out of there? Okay, so next slide there. Um, Thank you. Um, So there are two critical turning points in knowing and doing the will of God. I just said that, right? Uh, We have that crisis of belief and today we're talking about adjusting our lives to God. Next slide. Blackaby makes a quote in his book, Experiencing God. He says, obedience, which comes next, obedience begins in the heart with a willingness to do whatever God says. A couple sentences later, he says, our obedience can be costly. So we think about the cross, Right? Um, Jesus said in our scripture in Luke, he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, the cross in the Bible was a symbol of suffering and shame, right? As the song says, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. The writer says, and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Y'all know I'm not singing, right? Um, but the writer goes on, and you know, the cross is a symbol of suffering. It was a symbol of punishment in Jesus' time. The Romans used this to punish criminals and to put them to death. So the cross was the ultimate punishment. And Jesus is saying in Luke 9, and and if we went over it to Matthew where... Uh, And we may not get there today, but Jesus says some hard things. So what just what does it mean to deny myself, to take up my cross daily and to follow Jesus? Jesus is saying, hey, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he's the one who will save it. Jesus says these upside down things, right? Um, We talk about upside down ministry here at Graffiti Church. And you know, uh, Graffiti New York, that's the name of the whole model of urban ministry that we practice because it's based on what Jesus said and who Jesus called us to be. So Jesus says hard things in the Bible that we have to kind of dig in a little bit and say, what is Jesus really talking about here. This denying self is the part where we have to make adjustments in our lives. So think about this in the Bible. Noah could not continue life as usual and build an ark at the same time, right? Um, So um, number one, you can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time. Now we're talking physically, our disease. We're we talking emotionally. Are we talking spiritually? Yes? Yes. And yes. When I was 22 years old, I, I couldn't stay I certainly couldn't stay in the bars at night hanging with the fellas and be adjusting my life to God, right? Um, I certainly, so, so those were big adjustments, all right? Those are sin issues, big adjustments. But we're talking about here, you, you're in a relationship with God, right? You're a Christian, you've been saved, you're certain of that. And you're saying, hey God, what are you doing in my life? I just I, I know you're doing stuff, God, and I know I wanna be part of it. And then Abram, Abram's one of my favorites. God told Abram in Genesis, He said, Abram, get you, your family, all your stuff. Abram was a wealthy guy. He had a long family history and tradition where he lived. And God said, get your people, your wife, your your sons and daughters and some of your stuff and leave. And then he said, oh, by the way, I'm not telling you where you're going. Dude, get to U-Haul, pack it up. You and your wife and your kids get into U-Haul. That doesn't sound very pleasant either, does it? With the kids and everything. Some of y'all have moved with kids before. And he says, "Get in, start up the U-Haul, put it in gear, and you'll know where you're supposed to be when I tell you. God does that sometimes in our lives. God does that sometimes in our lives. Moses could not stay on the backside of the desert herding sheep and stand before Pharaoh at the same time. Moses made excuses, he said, God, I don't, I don't have all the fancy words. God, Moses was afraid. Who am I going to tell these people sent me? He was afraid of the Israelites. He was afraid of Pharaoh. Um, he said, but he couldn't stay on the back 40 herding sheep and represent God in front of Pharaoh at the same time. That's probably pretty scary. Moses was comfortable serving him sheep for 40 years, hiding out from Pharaoh after he killed the Egyptian, Right. Rahab could not obey the king and save the lives of the Israelite spies. Had the king found out that Rahab the prostitute, by the way, Rahab the prostitute who was righteous before God because she believed God, um, hid the spies knowing that if she were found out, she would be killed. Ruth could not remain with her relatives and join the people of God in Israel. She left her country and everything she knew, her religion, her country, her people, David had to leave his sheep to become king. And you know what? David, it took 20 years before he became king. And the the, the current king during that time was trying to kill him, right? It was not an easy road for David becoming king. Amos had to leave his sycamore orchard to preach in Israel. Jonah, I like Jonah. Jonah had a bad attitude and told God he had a bad attitude, right? Some of y'all know what that's like, right? Yeah, well, maybe not this group, y'all... Like a pretty nice group here today. Jonah had to leave his home and go against what he had been taught in order to preach in Nineveh. Jonah was taught to hate the Ninevites, whether it was racism, religious prejudice. Jonah was taught to hate another group of people because they probably didn't, they may not have looked like him. They believed different things than he believed. And God said, oh, I'm going to save a whole bunch of those people, Jonah, and you're going to go preach to them. Jonah said, no, God, no, you don't understand, God. I hate those people. Esther could not remain silent before the king and save her people. You guys know in the New Testament, Peter, Andrew, James, and John had to leave fishing businesses in order to follow Jesus. That was their career. That was their daddy's career. That was their daddy's daddy's career. These guys, that's how they fed their families. These guys, some of them had wives and children. And God said, hey guys, um, it's time for you to follow me, Jesus said. Um, they put down their nets and they followed Jesus. Wow. I th- I've been thinking about these all these guys all week. I've been reading about them. I know I have a list of them here, right? Matthew had to leave his lucrative tax collecting job to follow Jesus. Tax collectors were not popular back then, but um, Matthew was considered uh, an upper middle class maybe even a wealthy guy because his job was entailed collecting taxes for the Romans and taking advantage of his own people. Hmm, tax man. I could say some things that don't honor Jesus right now. We'll move on. Saul had to completely change direction in order for God to use him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute my people? Paul's job, Saul's religious job was to hunt down Christians, beat them, lock them up. And who knows if he killed some, the Bible doesn't say he actually did that, but his job was to capture Christians and lock them up. Jesus said, no, Paul, no, Paul, you're going to do something different. These, all of these people had to make major adjustments in their lives in order to join God where he was at work. So the thought is you can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time. You see God at work and God's dealing with you about something, God might be calling you uh, uh, God might be calling you to do something unique in your job or your work. God might be calling you just to share the gospel with someone in your community or your neighbor, but you know you might have to make adjustments in your life before you do that. I know I had to. You know, uh, My neighbor, you know, sees me cussing, raising cane, getting you know, just, uh, and and then the next week I'm going to stop over his house and tell him about Jesus, right? Uh, tossing my kids out in the front yard, running the car up in the front yard, drunk late at night. I'm just, oh no, I never, well, maybe some of those things happened to me. I didn't toss my kids out in the yard though. But, and those are extreme things. But God might be saying to you, hey, it might be time for you to make some adjustments in your life in order to join me where I'm at work. And then Jesus was telling the disciples and he was telling others, he says, sometimes doing that, it can cost you something. It can cost you something, something you enjoy. Uh, Maybe something you're just used to having or doing. Uh, Sometimes, man, I think about the missionaries who go all over the world. Um, we went to Guatemala several years ago, and I think the worst poverty I ever saw in my entire life, I know, the worst poverty I ever saw in my entire life was in Guatemala. And we were out in a, in a community that was not yet a community um, where people lived in huts. And, um, and babies were dying there every, um, every week. Uh, babies were dying there from malnutrition and dysentery. And all I could do, I just had, I can't think about it sometimes. I had tears streaming down my face. We didn't want to come home. We wanted to stay there, but we knew God wasn't calling us to join him right there, right at that moment. But but, man, uh, God called our friends who went on that trip with us and they went to Guatemala and they adjusted their entire lives uh, they adjusted their entire lives to go down there and serve Jesus. They went on baby rescues, dangerous journeys up into the mountains to, to rescue starving babies. And the parents would give them their babies because the parents knew their babies would die if they didn't. Oh, some of the babies didn't have parents and they rescued babies and brought them back to the orphanage. I'm not making this stuff up. And, and my friends, um, my, my friends just, they, they knew, And so they came home, and for several months, they adjusted their lives. And for a while, they were like this. They didn't just run their mouths like I do. So finally, they said, we have been making some plans, and and we're going to Guatemala. And they started taking other people with them. Then they started taking other people with them and staying longer. And then they started staying longer and longer and longer. And then they started using a lot of their resources, their own resources, to go around the world and get other people involved in saving starving people and dying babies in Guatemala. Why? God showed him something where he was at work and then God called them to join him at work in Guatemala. So my friends who had a nice big house in Calvert County, Maryland, um, packed up the house and left it, I mean, left it empty and went to Guatemala and spent years uh, even bringing other people to Guatemala to serve Jesus there. They adjusted their lives. Big adjustments, small adjustments. Maybe though, maybe God's saying, you're, you're going to continue to have to make adjustments in your life to, to join me where I am at work. It might not always be moving away, packing up the U-Haul, but, but God's saying, hey, if you want to work with me, you might be continually making some adjustments in your life. So you can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time. Maybe we stayed there a little longer than I intended. Next slide. So what are some necessary adjustments? Where do they take place, right? In your circumstances, in your relationships. Hey, I'm not Dr. Phil. Um, I don't even look like Dr. Phil, but I'm saying sometimes, Sometimes we have to check our relationships, right? We might have to make some adjustments in some of relationships in our lives in order to join God where he is at work. My thinking, prejudices, methodology, and planning. We all have preconceived ideas about people who are different from us um, that may not be positive. That That in and of itself does not make one a racist. That just means we have preconceived ideas about people who are different from us. But sometimes, over periods of time, um, we can, we do have prejudices, and that may include may may include racism. And I was a pretty typical middle class white guy 20 years ago, raising my family, minding my business, doing my thing. And God began to stir in our hearts and in our home. And he began to change some of my preconceived ideas about people who are different than me, who look different than me, who live differently than me. And sometimes we think, oh, this person needs to do this, 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 and this to get their lives in order. Well, maybe that's not God's order. Maybe that's the order that people who love God think other people should do things, but they're wrong. Mm. I had to reorder my thinking in several areas of my life. And that adjustment took years. That's just one in my own life. But even in our methodology and planning, sometimes you could be planning big things for Jesus, right? Um, and Jesus says, nope, we're going to do this my way. And sometimes that planning and those steps that we like to take, God reorders them. Man, I have to be ready to make adjustments in order to do this God's way instead of my way. That's hard for me anyway, y'all. And then your commitments, right? Even your family, church, job, plans, traditions. How about your actions? Even just right there in my behavior, right? Right? And then, lastly, my beliefs about God, His purposes, His ways, and my relationship with Him. God is continually showing me that I think things that aren't quite right about the way God wants to do things. God's always humbling me and changing my heart and, and keeping me in a right place so that I can be a better servant. But, secondly, um, Not only do I have to make adjustments in this area, but these adjustments have to be complete and absolute surrender, complete and absolute surrender. So pleasing God, Blackaby says, is more important than satisfying friends, pastors, and even family. Sometimes you will be adjusting your life to what you know God is calling you to do and other people aren't going to agree with you. And they have a voice in your life because they're your loved ones, they're your friends, They're your girlfriend, your boyfriend, just a significant person in your life. And you know what? You know you're making the right adjustments and they might not like that. You know, pastors are guilty of that. We have folks who serve in our churches and God might be doing something in their life. And someone from the church might God, they might say, hey, God is calling me to go here and serve him and we lose a good person in our church. But man, God taught me that lesson a long time ago. You know what I do now? I get out my pom-poms. No, I don't really have pom-poms. I don't, I promise. And, and, and I cheer because I want to hear how and where God is calling you to join him and serve him. And not only are you going to go, but I'm going to send you off. We're going to send you and cheer for you and give you money and resources. Why? Because if you're doing what God has called you to do, that's right. That's right, praise God, right? So, But this idea, this complete and absolute surrender, man, that's tough, guys, that's tough. When I take my hands off and I say, God, and and here's the thing, so the next point, we don't have to go there just this moment, but what's the difference between surrender and dependence, right? And that's the next one. So I'm gonna look at Isaiah 55, eight and nine, so that you'll hear more of the word of God and less of me. Uh, I don't think I put those up there this week. So Isaiah 55, um, I love this. Uh, Here's what God says. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Now he's using this parallelism. This is almost, this is a poetry. This is poetry here in the middle of the book of Isaiah. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says that. Interesting watch, because if we go back, if we go back just a couple of verses, he says, um, call upon him while he is near. Let, verse seven, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. So he says, He says, forsake your old way, forsake your old thoughts. Why? Verses 8 and 9. Because God says, he reveals this, this is great, because my thoughts aren't your thoughts, and my ways aren't your ways. So guess who gets to change their thoughts and their ways? Us. God's not, right? We're joining God where he is at work. And this Isaiah 55, the whole chapter, truly is God's offer of mercy in our lives. It's the gospel in the Old Testament. i read Isaiah 55 a couple times this week, and I hope you get excited about it. Um, So this complete and absolute surrender. We know God does not do things the way we... So I have to trust and believe what those two verses say. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I put my hands right back in there and I mess it all up. Sometimes I just gotta have it my way, right? I'm like Burger King. I gotta have it my way. I want that flame broil whopper with cheese and bacon. All right, so I know, I know. So this complete and absolute surrender says, we're doing this God's way and not my way. Thirdly, so, so this is interesting. Oh, by the way, um, in Luke chapter 18, you don't have to turn there, but you know what happens when we, um, refuse to adjust our lives. The rich young ruler, you can read that later on too. In Luke chapter 18, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, master, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, you know, um, don't steal, don't lie, uh, honor God. Don't commit adultery. You know, the, the 10 commandments, the rich young ruler says, Oh Jesus, I've done all those things and more. And he says, "Okay," Jesus says, "Then go and sell everything that you have and give all the money to the poor." So, so he wanted the rich young ruler to make an adjustment in his wallet. Oh my. Oh God, you're not going to mess with my money, are you, God? So so the rich young ruler, you know this, you most of you know the account, right? Of this of the story, you know this. This young man went away very sad. His money, his heart was in his wallet. Jesus knew that. Jesus said, make this adjustment in your life. The rich young ruler was a good kid, right? He obeyed the rules, he knew the 10 commandments, but Jesus knew where his heart was. Jesus knew where his heart was. He needed to make that absolute surrender of his wealth to Jesus. My same friends who I told you went to Guatemala, his goal in life was to be a millionaire before he was 40. That was his goal in life. And Jesus came and messed his whole life all up, and when that was no longer his goal, about three years into serving Jesus wholeheartedly, he became a gazillionaire. I'm going to tell you the whole story. Um, yeah, well, that's a gazillion. And yeah, um, you know, one of my grandsons will say hundred, 30 hundred, Um but why why does god that's upside down but that's right my friends went to join god where god was at work so again total and complete surrender what is that one thing that you and i might hesitate that we might hesitate to surrender in order to join god where he is at work tough question isn't it i can't answer that for you that's between you and jesus amen and then total dependence on God. What, so what's the difference between surrender and dependence? Surrender says, Jesus, you're in control. I'm taking my hands off. I just give it all up to you. So in, in recovery, we say this. Um, I, in, in step one, I say my life is unmanageable. Um, it's out of control. Step two, I say I came to believe that a power, well, I came to believe that God could restore me to sanity, right? Um, so step one, Step one is like this complete absolute surrender. So if you're familiar with AA and NA like I am, total and complete surrender, step one. That's why a lot of folks out here on the street that are addicted can't get well because they want to be the doctor and the patient. And then here's dependence. Dependence is like the third step of the program. If you're in recovery, you know what I'm getting ready to say. I turn my life and my will over to the care of God daily. I turn, that's total dependence on God. John chapter 15 says it this way. John chapter 15, you know it. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He says, abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. The only way my life will bear fruit for Jesus, fruit, right? Those good things that God is calling me to do to serve him is if I'm connected, if I stay connected to Jesus, I don't know anything about vineyards and vines and flowers, and I don't know much about any of that, but Jesus is making the analogy here. Most of us, we can get that, right? He says, stay connected to me because everything you need is going to come from me. That's a dependence. That's dependence. Now, in our relationships with one another, there should be this interdependence in the church, right? But the only one that we should wholeheartedly depend on is, is not our spouse and not our mommy, not our daddy, but Jesus. Amen? I have a wonderful spouse, right? But I am supposed to be dependent, dependent on wholeheartedly on Jesus. Not on my spouse. She don't need that burden, right? Sometimes we get it mixed up a little bit after we've been married for a couple weeks, right? I do. I'm supposed to be dependent on Jesus. Doesn't mean we don't need each other. We need each other, right? You need your spouse. If you're married, you understand you're in love, right? You do depend on one another for certain things. But by dependence, that life and death dependence, um, that is reserved for God, amen. I'm gonna read Galatians 2.20 because it's directly related to our text in Luke chapter nine. And it says, it says this, Galatians 2.20 says this, as we're, we're coming around the, the home stretch here. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says, And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So daily take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Paul says it. He gives us a picture of what it looks like. I crucify myself with Christ. That's my old life, my sin, my unrighteous self. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ is living in me and through me, right? Blackaby says this in previous chapters of the book in our Bible study. He said, God is doing something in you so that he can work through you. And that's what Galatians 2.20 is saying. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live with faith in the Son of God. So your cross is a daily dying to self. Uh, I think denial of self is very similar. God doesn't want you to be miserable. God doesn't say, I can't eat Alito's pizza every once in a while. Had one yesterday, that's why I thought of it. Um, God's not saying we're not supposed to have joy and pleasure in our lives. God is saying, I come first. And there will come a time, Christian, when you will be called to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus did say, look, in this life, you will have tribulation. Um, I share this often and, and I, got, I need to be careful. But So you know what trials and tribulations are? You're either coming out of a trial or tribulation or you're getting ready to go into a trial or tribulation or you're in the middle of a trial or tribulation in your own life. You, so, so everyone in this room... <laughs> You're either coming out of one, praise God, right? Because you're feeling good, right? Or you're about to enter into one, or you might be in the middle of one. Jesus said you're going to have trials and tribulations in your life. Thirdly, so that's dependence on God. Number four, waiting on the Lord. I will read proverbs and um, I will read proverbs and then restrain myself because uh, y'all know I love the proverbs chapter eight. This is one um, we get three really good instructions. Verse 32. Now, therefore, O sons, listen to me. Listen. For blessed are they who keep my ways, heed instruction and be wise, do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. Sometimes when you are making adjustments in your life, there will be a waiting period and you will not you may not enjoy it. You can be prepared for it now because we're talking about it. We, we waited 16, 18 months before we knew where we were gonna plant a church. Um, you don't know what that waiting period, you know, I don't know what that is gonna look like in your life. It may be a short waiting period, may be a long waiting period, but he gives us some idea here. I'm listening closely to the Lord in my daily relationship. That's, that's your devotions. That's um, just talking to the Lord in prayer throughout the course of the week. Watching daily at my gates. You know, in the cities, in, in in biblical time, the gates were where all the action took place. People came in the city gates, went out the city gates. Business was done there. Leadership meetings, the elders met there. So we're to be watching daily at God's gates. We're watching daily at where God comes in and goes out. We're going in and out, listening and watching what God is doing. Uh, I'm not exaggerating there, and waiting at my doorposts. Waiting in the presence of God. This is a godly waiting. You're waiting in the spirit in the presence of God because you think you have an idea where God's calling you to join him at work. You're making adjustments in your life. And God says, okay, while this is going on, it's going to take a minute. Sometimes we don't like it when God says this could take a minute. But when we go through that, uh, and we know that we're listening, waiting, and watching, um, we're going through that process, and we can be excited about living in obedience to God. So making adjustments in my life, hey, you know what? Not always easy, right? I think it is that that daily intimate walk with the Lord where you hear from him in prayer and through his word, come to a crisis of belief, and then it's time to make adjustments in our lives. So God calling you to make an adjustment in your life. Um, Is God saying uh, it's time to surrender something and to depend on him? Pray about that with me this